It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, Fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome back for another episode of the Atop the Pitbox podcast. I'm Zach Dick, along with my partner, Josh Rolfus, and we're here to discuss Sonoma, talk all things Nashville, and give you guys a special announcement. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing well, Zach. How you doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. It's the uh, it's the anniversary tonight, so we just got back from Congratulations. a nice, nice dinner. So thank you. That was uh, it. Was good. Good food. Now we're here to do the podcast as always. Before we get into the podcast, we want to say thank you for listening, for tuning in, and being a part of this. Um, so thank you. If you're enjoying the podcast, please. Make sure that anybody that should know about it does know about it and uh, gives it a gives it a listen. Uh, we would really appreciate it. So uh, thank you again for for listening and for tuning in. And this time we have a, a an announcement. Every year at the West Side there is a Daytona 500 kickoff party uh, in Harlan, Iowa, and Zach and I have attended for the last few years uh, with Justin. And we thought it would be pretty cool to do an end of the year watch party for the final race and do it at the West Side. West Side's agreed to host us there on November 6th. So we will be there at the West Side doing live standings. We'll get a screen or a TV posted uh, somehow to project that. Those live standings up there will be giving stuff away. It'll be a potluck with lots of food. So uh, really exciting stuff. We're, we're looking forward to getting everybody together at the West Side and, and watching this final race and seeing who's going to be the, the fantasy NASCAR champion this year. Uh, that, that's an awesome announcement, Josh. It's, it's great that the, uh, the West Side agreed to, to have this end of year party. Daytona 500 kickoff party is always a good time. And, uh, you know, people are enjoying themselves. You got happy hour. Food's always good got the race on TV. So basically we're just going to replicate that here on November 6th end of year. We'll crown the fantasy champion for 2022. It's going to be a good time. So I hope everyone out there can join us at the West side. Yeah. Looking forward to it again, November 6th, uh, tentatively, uh, 1 PM to 6 PM. Uh, we'll be watching that race live. So really exciting, exciting stuff. This week we have a special guest with us joining the podcast he is a rookie, so first year in the league, and currently in the playoffs in the 13th spot. Welcome to the podcast, JP. How you doing tonight, man? Good, Josh. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad you're on. Glad you're on, JP. Give us a little bit of history about, about you and NASCAR, how long you've been watching, and you know how long you've been in the fantasy league. Well, my, uh, my history is fairly recent. I... Became a NASCAR fan about the you know, 15 laps from the finish of the Daytona race this year when the caffeine from my fourth Diet Mountain Dew had kicked in and things got a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I stood up and yelled a little louder than Crazy Dale at the at the West Side and I've been hooked ever since. That's right. You were at the West Side for the first for your very first uh, race, correct? Correct. Yep. That was my uh, kind of my first foray into watching NASCAR. Um, and I decided to join the fantasy league, uh, maybe about 10 minutes before the race started. So, so do you have a, a favorite driver? 
Um, huge Chase Briscoe guy. Um, not really sure why. I kind of just like the way his name sounded. Went on Amazon that day and bought some merch. So once you once you're financially <laughs> invested in in something, you just got to ride through. And then you got to win a couple weeks later. And you know that's that's what I needed. Now I got to ask: with this merch that you decided to buy, please tell me you're rocking this lanyard every day to work. Yeah, I even uh, go out of my way to swing it around a little bit so people can see that I'm I'm representing Briscoe Nation. Love it, love it. So newer NASCAR fan, obviously this the first year. Do you have a a memory there, or is there something that sticks out from this year that is uh, either got you hooked on NASCAR or just something that sticks out from from this this season? Well, my my favorite NASCAR memory probably actually is before this year. Uh, four or five years ago, my family went down to Kansas and went to a race. And as soon as I found out I could carry my own bush light, and I was I was pretty happy. And I had a really good time. We had a we were had the camper walking distance away from the track, so I had my fair share of of beer. And there were some guys that were hanging out next to us with a with a flask that was bigger than my head. And this was pre-COVID when sharing that kind of thing was still allowed. So I had a pretty good time there. This year, uh, probably just the, the day at the West Side was really fun. Ate, ate my fill of Casey's Pizza and downed some Diet Mountain Dews and had a good time. So that's that was probably my favorite part of this year. And looking forward to trying to relive that in November. What's uh, Who won that race when you were in? when you guys went down to Kansas? I have no clue. I couldn't even tell you who. who. <laughs> I, I think Jeff Gordon was still around there, but the I, bush I don't lights, have any idea. I've got the no bush clue. lights crowded that memory. Yeah. The, the bush lights and the overall lack of knowing anything about what I was watching was not a good combo for remembering things. From a fan standpoint, would you agree that going to a NASCAR race, if you have no vested interest, if, if you're really new to the sport or new to NASCAR, is going to the race what you expected it to be when you thought or knew that you were going to a NASCAR race? Uh, it was way more fun than I expected it to be. I mean, I knew that it would be a, a good time, but I, I had a really, really good time. And I'm sure some of that was the was the alcohol, but also just the atmosphere there was really, really cool. And the fact that we were staying so close to the track and everybody around us was camping there to go to the race as well. So like the party was just nonstop um, from that morning all the way through the race. And, you know, my dad likes NASCAR. Um, he's he doesn't watch a lot of races, but he was kind of the reason we went. But I think with like myself and my brother-in-laws who aren't big NASCAR fans either. Just the novelty of the whole thing made it a really, really, really good time. Oh, that's great to hear. And, and basically, I mean, that's what I tell everyone too is, you know, NASCAR on TV might be boring to some, but you go to a race live, it is a completely different ball game. And nine out of 10 times, you, you leave that race thinking like, wow, that was one hell of a party. That was a blast. I had a good time. So I, I love to hear that, and, and it back, basically backs up a majority of what people say when they go to a NASCAR race, especially for the first time. Yeah, yep, I would recommend it to, to anyone, whether or not you're a NASCAR fan. So 
final question we have is the one we ask everybody that comes on. If you were commissioner of the Fantasy NASCAR League for one day, what change or changes would you make? Yeah, I think the the league is is pretty well ran. I, I think it would be cool to see some more like when you play fantasy football, you kind of get like a minute by minute update. And Norton does a great job of updating things on Twitter, but it would be cool to have some sort of platform where you could as the race was going and you were getting live updates about your drivers and where you were standing in some sort of centralized hub. Now, I, I think Nord's going to have a hard time getting rid Zach, of the spreadsheet. I, I, it sounds like, Zach, that JP just offered to build us out an app that would track the standings. Is that what I'm hearing? I, I heard yeah. him volunteer for that for sure. Yeah, with my extensive coding background. I I think all I am is slightly worse at Excel than Norton, so I don't think I'm your guy <laughs> for that. Yeah, that well, would be... Maybe you and Nort working together can just create something spectacular. Yeah, <laughs> Nort, Nort does a good job, and I know he loves it. And the twi- I like the Twitter. I've, I, don't, I don't end up watching... I watch, usually watch the end of the races I have this year, but I've, I've got the Twitter alerts on, so anytime he's tweeting, I'm getting them. And you, I think I would be considered his number one follower because I respond to about everything he sends out. Yeah, it's it, the, he he did a really good job with the the Twitter last uh last race. I was I complimented him and told him how good of a job he was doing. So, uh we do appreciate the the minute by minute updates that Nort can give us. Anything else? Any other final thoughts? Glad we were able to talk you into going to the Daytona 500 party and I'm excited that you're kind of hooked now. Yep, yep. I'm happy to uh to participate. I I'll, I'll gladly commit to signing up next year. Uh, you won't have to drag me through it like you did this time. It was a, it was a, a good investment. And now that I'm in the playoffs too, hopefully I can just kind of roll that money over. Well, you're not in the playoffs yet. Well, I mean, you're in the playoff standings. I yeah. Guess, so. <laughs> a lot can happen in the last he, couple of weeks, he's, but he's thinking ahead, he's, he's, a, <laughs> he's already calling success, the shot. Success will, will do that. I, I wonder if you would have the same investment and, and enthusiasm if you were like in like 89th place, but it's uh, it's it. You're you're in the playoffs now, so you get to you get to enjoy it. Well, my success is pretty recent. I was kind of in the middle of the standings for a long time, and I went the no driver swap route because I figured if you don't know what you're talking about, you might as well not change anything. It'd just be completely a complete guess to change anything, and that seems to have paid off since because since the driver swap has ended, that's when my recent surge has occurred. How did you? So how did you pick your team? I went with the names I recognized. So they're probably the more famous or more popular drivers out there because I, uh, I, I did, there was no strategy behind it. Other, I knew who those guys were. And then Chase Briscoe, I just liked the way his name sounded. That was, that was literally it. And then I think Josh, you told me that he had a presence on Reddit and was more involved with his fans. And that's why I decided I was like, all right, this is my guy. He's a good one. Yeah, I think uh, I, I like that as a as a favorite driver. He's he's a good fans fans kind of driver. So excellent. Well, JP, thanks for, so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on and uh, good luck to you the rest of the year. All right, let's move into the race recap. So Sonoma, Zach, what is your what were your thoughts after watching Sonoma? You know, I had some high hopes 
going into this road course race after the first road course race that we saw at Coda this year. Unfortunately, I was let down. I think we were all let down. I thought the race was really, really boring. Uh, there was no big cautions to shake the field up. So basically it was status quo because the cars were, I mean, there was really no passing at the track. So uh, unfortunately it was just status quo. There's not a lot of shake up in the lineup. And again, if there was a wreck, I mean, it basically was just one guy spinning out or maybe two guys spinning out and eventually they got their car fired and, and away they went. But um, again, I just thought it was a really boring race. In regards to our, our friend Jeff Gluck's poll, 66.3% of respondents said it was a good race. To put that into perspective for you, that ranks 18th out of 22 road course races in the poll. So based on those numbers and based on past trends, I think, I think you know, the fans and everyone agreed that this, it just wasn't a good race. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it was not. It was not exciting. Um, I'm not a huge road course fan, um, but I sat down and watched it, and it was it was just kind of blah. Um, it wasn't really wasn't any entertaining storylines. There were no, you know, I know I give you shit for for Atlanta and your your views on Atlanta and no passing at that track, but there really was no passing at this one. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of a, of a, of a letdown kind of race. So looking at, at the uh, stage by stage results. So stage one, Kyle Larson led early. We had on lap 10, Bubba Wallace blew an engine. So that was, that brought out the first caution of the day, but that was only at lap 10. So cars really weren't stretched out that much. And lap 16, Eric Jones spins out in turn two, but there was no caution. Like you said, it was just kind of he was out there on his own and, and got back into the track. And and Kyle Larson cruised to the stage win and and win stage one. So think back about stage one, pitch strategy became, you know, a, a storyline and a factor on each of these stages. Basically, you could either stay out, try to get those stage points which are really valuable come playoff time. But unfortunately, a majority of the cars would pit with two laps to go before the pit road closed. And so if you were going to stay out for those stage points, you were then going to be put at the back of the pack. And as we saw, you know, Kyle Larson cruised to the stage one win. But unfortunately, if my memory serves me right, I think he was the only car not to pit in stage one. So to start stage two, he was in the back of the pack, and, and basically Kyle Larson was never a factor the rest of the race. So uh, um, that, that really was the only storyline or or thing to, I guess, keep keep in mind as you move through the race. And unfortunately, it just, it just didn't make for a good outcome. So we go to stage two. Uh, Christopher Bell pitted outside the box, so he went to the rear. Chase Elliott was, was fast, led after the restart um, with seven to go. We had Ross Chastain spins out, but again was able to continue. We had Chase Elliott pitting outside the the, the pit box, so a, a costly error for him, who had, had a pretty quick car, and he has to go to the back. And the stage is won by Joey Logano. 
So Logano wins stage two. Anything about pit penalties during that? Like you said, Chase Elliott, he, uh, I think the tire changer didn't get the lug nut on tight and, and Chase started to go and the crew, you know, get out, got him to stop. And he, you know, he eventually did back up, but he just didn't back up far enough. The splitter was still on the line. So unfortunately he got ding, you know, hit with the penalty there. Tyler Reddick after that stage, uh, got busted for a speeding penalty on pit road. And then Chris Busher was having, you know, one of his best career races in, in the top three. And he got hit with a, with a pit penalty of the fuel can, but then NASCAR went ahead and rescinded the penalty, which is, you normally don't see that from NASCAR. So I thought, you know, luckily that's, that helped save Chris Busher's day. And, you know, he went on to have a really good race after that, but it was a crazy couple minutes for, for the, the 17 cars. Final stage, Daniel Suarez, which I guess is the other storyline, uh, led after the restart. 46 to go. Tyler Reddick spins out, breaks something on his car, so his day is done. We get down to 25 to go, and one of the rare tire issues that we saw today, Kyle Larson loses a right front, brings out only the second caution of the day, and Suarez really, I mean, it, he, he led the whole, the whole way. It was kind of a anticlimactic way to end the race but it's his first race first win ever and so pretty exciting for that team and track house racing now gets three wins and both its drivers to to have wins this year so looking at a pretty good year from track house yeah if you, like you said if you think back i mean suarez basically just led after the restart the whole way it just showed you how important track position was at this track which you know from a viewership entertainment standpoint, just doesn't make for an exciting race. But like you said, props to Daniel Suarez, first win of his career. You know, he, he dominated the Xfinity, Xfinity series when he was in that series, which got him the promotion to Joe Gibbs Racing. Unfortunately, he just couldn't put the pieces of the puzzle together with Joe Gibbs. He's had the talent. He just never had that win under his belt. He moves to the track house racing and, and gets his first win of his career. So, that was probably the best storyline that came out of last weekend. What's so what is Trackhouse Racing doing that's so different or from the, I mean obviously they're a newer team. They took over um he bought Chip Ganassi's team. He's got he's got some resources. It's not like they're a, a brand new team, but what makes this so special what they're what this team is doing? Well, I mean normally you don't see a basically a startup win this many races so fast. I mean, typically it takes quite a long time for, for the team to, you know, just for everything to gel, to get, to create a fast car, to get fast cars and to actually start winning races. So to see what they're doing this year, I mean, it's, I mean, from a holistic standpoint, it's probably one of the top two or three storylines of the year to this point. So is that, is that because of a, a startup, team generally doesn't attract the best talent and so because they have the funds and they're able to I mean Chastain I don't know really what his history was before but um, he wasn't a big star Suarez was a was a, a champion on the Xfinity side they're it's not like they have the worst drivers out there that they're starting with so what's the how much of that is driver versus the the new car versus 
you know, anything else that might be factoring in? I would say this next gen car has completely leveled the playing field. If you look back, the teams built their own chassis, they built their own bodies, they built their own engines. They were able to do a lot of stuff to all of all of those facets of the car that differed between team to team, even the same manufacturers. You know, they had the same engines for the most part, you know, Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, they're all aligned for the for the I guess the most part, but they were able to make tweets that that makes each car, each team kind of stand out from the rest. And what this next gen car did was even the playing field. So it's this car allows these teams who maybe don't have as much funding as say the Hendricks or the Gibbs or the Stuart Haases to compete, which is why they went ahead and decided to enter the series. Now, same with Denny Hamlin, when he created 2311, he knew this car was going to even the playing field. And that is why he decided to venture out and create his own team. So yes, the driver talent still needs to be there. And yes, you still need to have funding to, to put a fast car on the track. But from an overall standpoint, this next-gen car has just completely leveled the playing field, in my opinion, and it really allows the driver's talents to shine through, which, again, it's not a surprise that a Ross Chastain with how aggressive he is or a, a Suarez with the talent that he has is winning. It, it's just it, they didn't win prior to this next-gen car, which, I again, I think it, it basically goes back to what this car does from an overall even you know leveling the field standpoint uh, in NASCAR at this point. I mean, I think that can only be a good thing. So get more winners, yep. you know, and having all the cars in the in the field a chance to win instead of having you know five or six that are just out there to get lapped. Um, but to to get a full field of of cars that could win is is pretty exciting to think about. So. And, and the whole thought process behind that from what, what I've been able to gather is, one, NASCAR wanted to make this sport more competitive, which, based on this year, they've done that. And two, they're trying to get cost. They're trying to cut costs significantly. If you look back, NASCAR teams were out there. There would be two or three practices. There would be qualifying, and then there would be the race. And now you have a practice. You don't really – I mean, practice – was like it's like 15 or 30 minutes now instead of having three hour-long practices you, you have a short qualifying uh session and then you have a race so between that and then this next-gen car where nascar is sourcing basically all the parts all the pieces minus the engines they're, they're trying to drive the cost down to make this series viable long term as well as to make it more competitive and to this point i think they've done a really good job speaking of winners with Daniel Suarez winning last weekend, there had have now been 12 winners in the last 16 races this year, which that is the most ever different winners at this point in a season. So this brings up, you know, a storyline <laughs> and questions are being you know asked to NASCAR drivers today as well as owners. Do you think this is going to be the first year? that a win doesn't guarantee you a playoff spot. So to put this in perspective, you look at the standings right now, the top 16 in points, eight of the top 16 do not have a win under their belt. 
Ryan Blaney sits in fourth, and Martin Truex Jr. sits in sixth. Those are the highest drivers without wins to this point. Four drivers outside of the top 16 have wins. Suarez is in 17th, Sindrick is in 18th, Kurt Busch is in 19th, and Denny Hamlin is in 21st. So I think this is setting setting up to be possibly the first time ever where a win doesn't guarantee you a playoff uh, spot come come championship playoff time. What are your thoughts, Josh? I know you brought this up on the podcast a couple episodes ago, and I uh, I shot it down. So uh, I went on record and said that I didn't think that this was probably going to happen. And now we're 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 entering the danger zone here. It is you know. There's still 10 races left, only four new winners. Um, but there are some, you, you mentioned some drivers that, you know, like a Blaney or Truex, you, you got to think that those drivers are going to get at least one. I mean, still only get you to 14, but as you get closer and closer to that, I think the storyline is going to kind of write itself. And- so you think you, you've got 10 races left, you have... 12 winners. You think Truex and you think Blaney are probably going to win. I agree with you. Those two are, are just too fast not to get a win. Granted, Truex didn't look good at a road course, which he historically does perform well. Um, but again, you couldn't pass there. So I'm not I'm not really taking that into account um, for the rest of the season. So if you get those two guys wins, you have a Tyler Reddick who's been fast pretty much all year, but has just had some terrible, terrible luck. Christopher Bell is pretty good at road courses, and there's a handful of road courses left before you get to the playoffs. Kevin Harvick is a pit bull out there on the track. If he's in second place at the white flag and he's close enough to the leader, he's going to take him out. That's just what you have to do anymore. So I think this is going to be the first time where you have 16 different winners, especially, again, like I mentioned in previous podcasts. You've got a couple more road courses coming up. You have Atlanta coming up again, which is like another Daytona or Talladega. And the last race before the playoff starts is Daytona, which anybody can win there. So I think this is something to keep in mind and something to follow here as we go out through the next 10 races. And I really hope there's 16 different winners just to make this thing exciting for us <laughs> and for, for all the fans out there. Yeah, I 12 is – we get to 14, then I'll, I, I'll start to – to really consider it, but um, it is something that is these teams have to think about each week as they're they're fighting for for these wins and and these playoff points and stages. Any other final thoughts? No. I, again, I just have to. I thought that was a fun stat. Again, this, this is the most ever winners to or most winners to this point in the season. So it's again, it's just something to keep in mind and something to see how it plays out. But again, it just makes it fun for us fans and. If you're one of those drivers that are in the top 16 in points and don't have a win, I mean, you're gonna they're gonna be driving even harder than they do normally. So I just think it's it's just gonna make it that much better for us to watch as, from a fan standpoint. So I'm excited to see how these next races play out. Yeah, it, for sure, it will be nothing if not entertaining for us. Let's get into the fantasy side of things. So the average team points for last week was 76. So the average for the year 
uh, is 75, so about at the average. And we had some shakeups in the in the top 10 here. So uh, Tracy Norton, number one, was in first. Then he ducked the podcast for a couple weeks, and now he's fallen to number three. So he's at, he's no longer number one. So we have a new number one, Taylor Schleiss, who the fir- his first year in the league is now leading leading the league. He jumps four spots to the number one. So congratulations to Taylor. Enjoy it while you can. Uh, Tammy Colby jumped up four spots into number two. Dennis Musich moved up seven spots to number three, who is tied with Tracy Norton, number one, who dropped the, 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 uh, dropped the two spots from number one. In number five is Carl Edwards. Uh, he also dropped two spots. Number six, you hate to see it, Big Sandwich. So this is just regular, plain old Big Sandwich. <laughs> dropped three spots. You just hate to see that. So uh, Adam Holtz makes his return to the top 10. He jumps up 13 spots. Steve Rolfus, number four, uh, also returned to the top 10 this week uh, at number eight. Adam Studer, number two, fell six spots to number uh, number eight, tied with Steve Rolfus. And then number 10, up 14 spots, bigger sandwich, which is my team in at number 10. So we had three new teams. You hate to see it. Uh, you hate to see that. Well, hate to see let's, get to, let's get to who fell out of the top 10. So unfortunately, our guest JP fell out. Uh, he fell to uh, P13. Zach Dick, number two. Was in the in the top ten for a little bit, just really didn't like prosperity. He is felt his team falls uh, to number P twelve out of the top ten, and then Mark Paulson fell uh, from number eight to P seventeen. So, what do you think of the top ten after after Sonoma, Zach? Uh, you know there were some big movers. You know, bigger sandwich unfortunately jumped fourteen spots. Adam Holtz up thirteen. You know, road course races, normally you have some pretty big swings. I don't, you know, historically, when you look at it, there just wasn't the cautions. So, unfortunately, if there was, you know, if your driver had a bad day, you're going to have a big swing backwards. Obviously, if you have a good driver day, you're going to you're gonna uh, jump in the standings quite a bit. So, no, no real big craziness there or, or surprises there. So, um, other than like you said, unfortunately my team fell out of the top 10 to P12, but uh, Hey, I'm still sitting there knocking on the door of the top 10. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, we can, we and can make playoffs. an entrance again, make an entrance again against or again here in two weeks. So with that being said, the biggest risers this week, Justin Nord number two at Jumino 10 P70 to P52. Fast Eddie went from P31 to P14. Bigger sandwich at Josh no, Rolfes. Sandwich. Again, it's sandwich. Increased from P24 to P10. And Robert Schaefer, number two, jumped from P73 to P59. You look at those teams, Chris Busher, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, a couple Blaney's. All had pretty solid days, so that's going to help you out when it comes to the fantasy playoff standings. In regards to the fallers, 
Healy Park went from P24 to P49. Jill Romfelt went from P58 to P75. And Jack Griffin went from P22 to P39. You look at those those teams, and unfortunately I have two, two of these drivers myself. Kyle Busch had his first bad week in about, I'd say, three to five races. So that, that hurts. Martin Truex didn't have his normal road course day uh, as well and finished toward the back of the pack. And then uh, Bubba Wallace blew an engine. Tyler Reddick had his issues. So unfortunately those teams took a hit because of that. Two of those players or two of those teams, Keeley Park and Jack Griffin, uh, both fell out of the playoffs. So they were in the playoffs last week and, and now they're uh, in outside of it. So rough week for, for those teams for sure. So looking at the rookies we have, I mentioned before Taylor slice as a rookie is leading. He's in first place. Uh, our guest tonight, JP, is in 13th. Mark Paulson is in 17th. Patrick McMeekin is in 20th. And Bush, Bush, Busher is in 27th. So let's take a look at the playoffs. It seems, Zach, that this, this tightens up every week. Every time we look at the standings after the race, it's, it's less and less points between first and 24th so last week was 88 points separated those two this week only 72 points so it is it is pretty wild how much this could change and how many teams could could make a a late season push to to make the playoffs yeah i agree 100 percent. it's you know we've been talking about this on the podcast here for the last couple weeks but i do not remember of fantasy playoff standings being this tight this far into the season. Normally, you know, some some teams have distanced themselves from 24th, but in this case, things just keep getting tighter and tighter, which again, from a fan standpoint, a, a fantasy entrance standpoint, it's exciting unless you're one of the, you know, top 24 that are having rough weeks and continue to slide. But overall, this just adds excitement to the league and, like we've said in the past, I mean, this thing is going to come down to the last race, which is Daytona, and anything can happen. So it's going to be crazy to watch and interesting to see how it all plays out. So looking at the last four in, and these four teams are separated by four four points. So Mark Krejci, even bigger sandwich, Ryan Brash, number two, and Jasmine Rolfus who is my daughter, who picked her own team and is in the playoffs. Those teams are 72 points out of first. So still can make a run into the into the to the playoffs. So um, looking at the last four out, and again, these teams are separated by two points. So Pat Bisson, Crazy Dale, number two, Amy Weiss, and Justin Norton, number three, would be your last four out if it ended today. First four out, right? First four out. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Those would be your first four out if it ended today. Yes. Yep. Yeah, no. Again, it's just, man, these things are so, so compact up at top. And as you mentioned just a little bit ago, 72 points separate first to 24th. That's wild. I mean, that that is just one or two bad races and and you're either up to first or you're, you're down almost knocking on the door of, of exiting the playoffs. So it, it makes me think about 
our our West Side party here in November for the last race, and having Norton project the the standings as he updates them and how much it's going to change. I can just see it uh, already where there is big swings or, you know, a, a big name gets knocked out and what it does to the standing. So I think that's it's I'm glad that it's so tight. It makes it really interesting to watch and fun to, to, to keep following. Looking forward to the to the rest of the year. So when we get to the so we got the, the race preview, Zach. But for those that don't know, there is no race this weekend. So the race that we're previewing is actually in two weeks in Nashville. So we will have a podcast episode that drops next week. Um, it won't be uh, necessarily the same format and, and information that we normally get. We're going to try to do something a little different, but we will have a podcast next week. Uh, but there is no race. So uh, we'll go ahead and talk about Nashville and, and see, what, uh, see what we've got coming up. Yeah, I know, like you said, unfortunately there's an off week, but apparently they wanted to give all these drivers a, a weekend off for Father's Day, which I guess is good. It's not good for us. We have no race to watch, but with that being said, Nashville will be next weekend. And as we, or as I normally do here, Zach's track facts yeah, of the buddy. night for yes. Nashville Super Speedway. Fact number one, Nashville Super Speedway began hosting Xfinity and Camping World Truck Series races in 2001. Last year was the first time that the NASCAR Cup Series had raced at Nashville. So I thought that was an interesting fact. Zach's track facts number two. Nashville Super Speedway is the largest concrete-only track in NASCAR. It separates itself from all other tracks. Most other tracks were asphalt. This is a concrete-only track. What's that do to the racing, the different surfaces? So there, there definitely is a difference between the asphalt and, and concrete. The concrete, if, if you remember Dover at all last year, but because the concrete is, is like a white or a gray color, from a fan standpoint, it's kind of fun to see. Basically, by the end of the race, the corners are all going to be rubbered up, and by that tires are going to have worn off on the corners on the track and the corners basically become black. So that that's something that kind of sticks out from one another. Um, in regards to tire wear, tire wear usually is, is a little bit more to start until those tires do wear and the tracks does start to take rubber. So, so that the, the tire wear doesn't become such a big issue. But again, there's not many concrete tracks in NASCAR. Dover's one of them. This is one of them. I can't think of any more off the top of my head, but that just is a little bit of a, of a unique situation with, with most NASCAR tracks being asphalt rather than concrete. Track fact number three. As is a Nashville tradition, a specially designed Gibson Les Paul guitar is presented to the race winner. And there's a little bit of controversy with this. <laughs> and, and we're going to talk about my boy Kyle Bush here. But one year he won in the Xfinity or, or Truck Series. I can't remember which one it was. But he decided to smash the guitar after winning it. And he gave basically some broken pieces out to his crew members. The idea was good. But he faced a lot of backlash for ruining such a fancy, expensive, kind of a one-off guitar. So 
that's something to, to keep in mind if you stay tuned in for the uh, Victory Lane celebration to see what the driver does with the guitar. So that was fact number three. And fact number four, if you look at Nashville Super Speedway from a top, it's almost like a D-shaped track. It's very different from your traditional oval-shaped NASCAR racetracks. The closest track that it resembles is, is a Phoenix or a New Hampshire. So, again, a very unique track. It's all concrete, has a fun victory lane celebration, and it's pretty new to the NASCAR circuit as this is the second time they've raced there. So those are Zach's track facts of the week. I mean, there was no – I didn't see any sheep in this in this one. So um, a little disappointing. Yeah, no sheep. So those no, are good ones. No George Washington eating in the offices or anything fun like that. So Just pretty a, boring, a but again, guitar. this is the second. Yeah, fancy guitar, odd-shaped track. It's all concrete, some, some unique things there. But again, this is only the second year they've raced there. So hopefully this track will create some more Zach's track facts as we go on throughout the years with that being said, looking back at Nashville last year, again, first time they were there at Nashville, I just wanted to go back and kind of run through the top 10 real quick uh, from last year. Chase Elliott ended up finishing 13th, but was penalized. This is one of the first disqualifications that I can remember, but it was due to having five loose lug nuts. They had a loose lug nut rule last year, where if you had more than, Three or four, I believe, was the cutoff. Uh, you got disqualified and sent sent to the back in, in regards to your finishing order. So that was the biggest storyline from a disqualification standpoint. But looking at your top ten, Kyle Larson won the race. And basically, he won everything last year, so that's not a surprise. Out of the 300 laps last year, he dominated, led 264 laps. So when you're thinking ahead, if you've got Kyle Larson on your team, you should be in a pretty good spot going to Nashville next weekend. Second place was Ross Chastain. Third was Willie Byron. Fourth, Eric Almarola. And rounding out your top five was Kevin Harvick. So you had three Chevys and two Fords. No Toyota there in the top five. Looking at sixth place, Ricky Stenhouse. Seventh, Daniel Suarez. Eight was Kurt Busch. Nine was Christopher Bell, and rounding out your top ten was Joey Logano. So if you think about this year, Larson's kind of been down on speed. Trackhouse boys are fast. They finished in the top ten last year uh, from a driver standpoint, so we'll see if that translates to some more success here next weekend. You got some Stuart Haas Fords there with Eric Amarola and Harvick. They Amarola's had a pretty consistent, solid year. You know, he hasn't contended for any wins or, or not very many, but we'll see if, we'll, if, you know, if those forwards can stay up front. And then Christopher Bell, Joey Logano rounding out your top 10. Um, no surprises there. But we'll we'll see if, with this being the second year there in the new next-gen car, if if the, the same players that have been fast all year stay up there, if this is going to kind of separate drivers from that standpoint. All right, so last week, our drivers did not do too well. Our picks did not do too well. We're going to try it again this week. And history is pretty limited in Nashville. So who are you? Uh, and we don't, have, we don't have any betting odds because we're so far, we're recording this so far out from, from the race. But early thoughts on, on who, who you're going to take to win the race. 
again, with, with limited history and looking back at last year, I'm guessing Kyle Larson is probably going to be the favorite going into this race. I can see Kyle Busch being up there as well. Ross Chastain's definitely going to be in the mix. Um, again, we don't have the odds to know, you know, who NASCAR thinks is going to be contending for this win, but I'm just going to be plain Jane, easy, simple, and just go with Kyle Larson. I mean, he dominated last, last year at this racetrack. He hasn't been the same driver this year, but you've got to think, you know, he, he's up there contending for the win come next Sunday. What about Larson lost his tire last week? So he's going to have a crew chief. Suspended for four weeks. So, uh, I, you know, Denny Hamlin really didn't seem to impact him the week he chose him without his crew chief. But that's something to keep in mind as well. As Kyle Larson, for the next four weeks, is, he's going to be without his crew chief and, and tire guy. What What are your thoughts here in regards to your, your pick of the week for, for Nashville? So I think I'm going to go with with a a new winner just to keep this – Keep this rolling. Um, Love it. Love it. And since February of 2019, on intermediate tracks, this driver's finished an average of 7.8 with four wins and no DNFs. And that man is Kevin Harvick. I I don't have any reason to believe that he will will win this um, other than history says that he's really good at intermediate tracks. So I'm going to take a flyer and uh, say Kevin Harvick is the winner of the race. I like it. I like it. I would, uh, you know, with him being on one of my fantasy teams, I would appreciate him winning a race for once. So (laughs) I'd be all about that. That's this week's episode. Zach, we got two weeks off. Um, no, no NASCAR races. What are you going to do to get through it? Well, with, with it being Father's Day weekend, you know, just spending time with the family. Sure. There's going to be some grill outs. Uh, unfortunately Sunday is going to be a long day. You don't have anything to look forward to from a race standpoint. So hopefully we can get through this weekend and, and, and get to next week where we have, you know, the race to look forward to. But what about you? You have big weekend plans. So, uh, yeah, Saturday I got the green light to uh, play as much golf as I wanted, so I'm gonna try and get in 54 holes in a single day and see if I can survive. So I might be too old for this, but we're gonna we're gonna find out. And then obviously Father is is uh, day to relax and hang out with family, so we'll be doing that. I got I gotta ask you, betting odds. What are the odds? realistic odds that you finish 54 holes with the forecast calling what it what it is right now at this point for the heat so you're referring to the heat right for the heat just how tired you're gonna be it's a long day it's a lot of holes so i would say realistically if weather's good and we're we're ruling out rain i would say there's a 90 percent chance that I do 54. Wow. So wow. my dad okay. and I have done, we, we've done, oh, I think we did like 39 or 40 holes one time. So it, it's a lot of golf. We spaced it out a little bit to give us some breaks in between each, each 18. So we'll have a little bit of time to recover, but it's going to be, it's going to be a long day, but it should be fun. And, uh, 
we'll all have to let you know if we if we make it through, if we survive. Okay. No, so. I, I wish you the best of luck. My money is on the under, but we're gonna see if you can prove me wrong. I mean that that alone will 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 push me to to finish the the round. So now now it's a hundred. You doubted me. Now it's a hundred percent. I'm I might even play an hole and do fifty five holes just to wow. <laughs> just because just because you're doubting me. So we'll we'll see how okay we'll see how bad it is <laughs> once once we get through it. But no, so. I'm excited to hear excited to hear how your weekend goes and and if this fifty five hole dream becomes a reality or not yep we're gonna we're gonna do it so so that's this week's episode thanks so much for listening and we will have a we will drop an episode uh for for next week i don't know what day that will be when we record that but we will throw out some some content for you guys to kind of keep you through get you through the the off week Yeah, and with that being said, if there's any listeners out there that want us to talk about something in particular next week with it being an off week, go ahead and shoot us a tweet or send an email out. We're we're open to to talk about whatever you guys are interested in or whatever you want to learn more about. So go ahead and do that and we'll uh we'll give it our best shot next week. Yeah, for sure. If you got a question that that you wanted to ask us or maybe you're a new NASCAR fan and, and have a question that's been bothering you when you watch the races or something like that, shoot us a a tweet or, or an email and and we'll, we'll talk about it and see if we can get an answer for you. So we will drop it next week, but so be on the lookout for that. And then we'll be back with our regular episodes after, uh, after Nashville, Zach, happy father's day, happy anniversary today and uh, enjoy the rest of your night, my friend. All right, you as well, buddy. Happy Father's Day early, and happy Father's Day, Father's Day to all you dads out there that are listening. Enjoy your weekend. Have fun with family and friends, and be ready for. It's no days off. Take no breaks. You in my lane. You in my way. You cross that line. It ain't your day. I lost my mind.